What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of my podcast. It's NFL Draft Part 1. Let's get this thing started. Welcome to another edition of the Wheeler Podcast. Uh, it's been one heck of a week, as many of you know. I know, like, COVID is just taking over our lives right now. And uh, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of something to get used to, something to, you know, just kind of roll with the punches, unfortunately, like I've been saying. Um, so, yeah, next week, it's the draft. Um, I'm super, super excited. It's not all that it's cracked up to be, um, just given the circumstances with video conferencing and everything that's going to go on. I'm really intrigued to see how everything's going to go down. Um, but, uh, excuse me, sorry. I see, you know, more viewers actually watching, watching this because, you know, people want to see how is the video conferencing going to go about? How is the feed what happens if the feed cuts out what happens if you know a pick is messed up and you know somebody drops an f-bomb on the air uh you know these guys aren't really technology technologically sound or savvy and uh you never know what's going to happen you know coach zim could easily you know drop an f-bomb because you know spielman made the wrong pick you never know. You don't know what's going to happen. And I think that makes it a little bit more exciting. I'm actually kind of excited to watch and see how this thing goes next Thursday. Um, like I said, this is part one. Kind of, kind of cut you off halfway through. Um, and just kind of give you, you know, my first couple handfuls of picks. Let you know why and what to expect from that. And yeah, we're just kind of going to kind of have fun with this. Uh, I don't really do mock drafts very often. But, you know, I really am starting to grow to love the NFL. Uh, the draft is always something special. I always watch the draft every year, despite how casual of an NFL football fan I am, an NFL guy I am. I'm a college football guy. So that kind of makes it exciting, too, because these guys I watch develop and play on that second level compared to this top-tier level of competition. Um so starting out, obviously, I'm just going to get this out of the way because it's pretty obvious. I don't see why it would change. Um, I think that Cincinnati will take Joe Burrow from LSU. Uh, the man is an absolute machine. I watched him play my team in the uh, playoffs for college football and just decimate our defense and given our defense wasn't that great, but it also was not the way it was all season. So um, I've seen this guy decimate many, many secondaries and it's just incredible to watch the different throws he's able to make the different plays he's able to make. He's so stunning and so flashy to watch. It's, you know, it's not even funny. Uh, so I have the Bengals selecting Joe Burrow. That's kind of a given at this point for anybody that's followed football. Kind of is expecting that. But 
I'm really excited to see um, what else Cincinnati has in the bag. Uh, but I do see them picking Joe Burrow straight out of the gate, number one. Um, and yeah, uh, on to number two, I have the Redskins. Now, they had a really, really shaky 2019 season. Uh, I have the Redskins taking Chase Young at number two. Uh, this move kind of puts them into more of a 4-3 defense. I know last season and seasons prior to that, they had kind of a 3-4 defense going. Um, and I think switching to 4-3, adding Chase Young to that uh, defensive line will really make a huge difference as far as just being an all-around defensive powerhouse. I uh, can't really say it's going to lead to success per se, but I'm really excited to see um, how well their team excels coming out of this draft and what kind of picks they're going to pick up. Um, they got they got rid of Josh Norman, so they need to go O-line heavy with either the second or third pick, um, but they do need a sizable cornerback. So, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen with that. Uh, it will be a nice battle for quarterback, uh, you know, Haskins. Redskins pick last year going up against uh, Allen. And they're both competing for the starting QB job as well as Alex Smith if he stays healthy. Uh, NFL has Tua uh, possibly going to the Redskins, but that makes just zero sense. Zero sense to me. Um, I just think that Tua going at number two to Washington is a really big gamble that I don't think the Redskins want to make with that. Uh, but I think overall this O-line, uh, this draft will be O-line heavy in 2020, I, th I think. Uh, I think we're going to have a plethora of O-line players available and mostly first-round picks. Uh, with that said, I see Detroit picking up uh, an O-line for the first pick at number three. Now, originally... I had Tua going to Detroit. But after further thinking, after thinking into it, deep thinking, all that stuff, yes, Matthew Stafford is 32, which for a QB is pretty old. Um, I don't see Detroit being a legit contender this year. I still think they're obviously rebuilding, testing the waters. I know, shocking. Um, but I see Detroit picking up Okuda, uh, I think they'll switch over to defense in the later rounds to bulk up that part of the team. But I think they have, you know, nine picks in this draft. And I think they need to make every single one count, even in the later rounds, you know, to make a significant advancement um, in the NFC North. So I think uh, they take Okuda at number three, not Tua, Okuda. And, uh, We'll see how they go from there. Uh, I know they kind of need to bulk up the secondary, and they also need uh, a running back. So, yeah. On to number four. Tackle, 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 rush, center. That's how I see the Giants this year. But I have the Giants taking Simmons, Isaiah Simmons, at number four. Uh, their defense was atrocious last season. Uh, I have them... You know, taking the Clemson linebacker because I think 
as good as Daniel Jones was for them last year, I don't think they need to go with a quarterback at all, uh, despite the Eli Manning situation. <laughs> um, but I think maybe... I don't know. I think they need to get an edge rusher also. Uh, I think Clavon Chason would be a good option from LSU. He uh, just dominated at the combine. Sorry, not the combine. He did not. He was actually not at the combine. But the work he put in in college and in the playoffs for LSU really um, it, it spoke volumes to how well he was, you know, against Oklahoma and. You know, I just think that his college film makes up for him not being in the combine. And I think you take a guy like that hands down. Um, and obviously, rounds four and five and six. You, you want at least a corner, a center, you know, out of those three picks. Uh, out of those three rounds, I should say. Uh, you only have three in the seventh round, which is where you kind of get some insurance defensive picks, whether it be a guard or maybe some more tackles, kind of solidify that defense for the Giants um, and maybe get some protection offensively too in front uh, to help build Daniel Jones and kind of build his confidence a little bit more as the season goes on. Um, obviously, the Giants, that's kind of where quarterbacks can go to die, at least lately. Um and, you know, Eli Manning, future Hall of Famer, HOF for sure. Uh, but, you know, he's just not, I don't think he has what he used to have <laughs> at QB. So, that said, speaking of where quarterbacks go to die, Miami, number five. Um, here's where I think Tua Tungabailoa comes into play. No, not number five, but number 18. Yes, I see him dropping to almost 20 before someone starts actually taking him in, into consideration. Only because the first 20 picks are going to be very offensive line slash wide receiver heavy. Um, I think number five, I see offensive tackle. Fantastic performance at the Combine. Uh, Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, very highly touted player in this draft. Uh, if you get Tua, Wirfs can really be a mobile asset to Tua's mobility in the pocket, uh, defending the pass rush. I think Wirfs is the correct pick in this situation. Um, and, you know, Miami can build off of that, obviously get some uh, defensive secondary help uh, later in the draft. Uh, onto the Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers of Anaheim. Number six, Justin Herbert of Oregon. Um, he's my pick. There's no question. This guy is incredible. Had a great performance in the Rose Bowl. And, you know, Chargers got rid of longtime QB, Phillip Rivers. So now it's down to Tyrod Taylor. And... Justin Herbert at the helm. So that's not a bad duo to have when you're kind of building this superstar team for Los Angeles. Um, you know, 
the Chargers offense was kind of middle of the road last season. So look for the Chargers to possibly grab an offensive tackle in round two. Uh, so you at least create a front for this team to build off of uh, offensively and just keep, you know, your, your defense is okay. But you want to keep building on that offense to, you know, just have an all-around solid football squad and I think Justin Herbert is the best option here at number six for Los Angeles um on to number seven Carolina man I think this team is going to trade down uh in two and four but I see Carolina taking Javon Kinlaw from Carolina the Gamecocks uh I can really this guy can really defend against, you know, the pass or run. Uh, he's very agile, and, you know, he's about the same size as Derrick Brown, another highly touted player in this draft. Uh, but I think Carolina kind of loses out on him. So I think uh, Panthers are going to settle at defensive tackle. Uh, if Carolina can create more depth at corner and maybe even tight end, I see them going and doing, you know, Bigger and better things post Cam Newton. Um, I think they need an O-line, a little bit of help at O-line to help out Christian McCaffrey, pad his stats a little bit better. Um, he's easily the best player on that team. And, you know, just look for them to kind of build on their offensive line and maybe add a wide out on top of that also. So uh, look for Carolina to maybe see... Maybe a wild card spot this season. Uh, I think they're going to be surprising a lot of people come December and January next year, pending we have an NFL season. Um, at number eight, I see Arizona. Basically, they are going to be kind of filling in, filling in their holes. Um, their line is in need of some depth. They... You know, they need to add some offensive weapons. Um, so I see them adding uh, Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle out of Bama. Uh, looking at Kyler Murray's stats last year, you need to definitely have that protection up front. Uh, as great as he was, you know, I think it was like 3,700 yards passing, but also had almost a, the regular, he had the regular season led the league in sacks. So you can't have that and just ha call it a good even balance. You need to at least have that offensive protection, give you some more time, maybe out of pocket to get some passes, create opportunities, like getting the ball to the new acquisition for Arizona, Hopkins. Um, you know, Arizona needs to go with a tackle first round and then maybe grab a center or even a running back in the third round, you know, keep adding weapons to Kyler's offense, but mostly focus on uh, the offensive front side of things for this team to give him plenty, plenty of protection. Um, and yeah, that's all I really see for Arizona. Obviously, you know, there's certain star players on that team that, you know, you can't really, count out from last season 
Um, more notably, what I am talking about is, you know, and I'm, you know, Jordan Hicks. He's a great player. He's a stud. Uh, best player on that team last season. So look for Arizona to keep adding those offensive weapons and just, you know, making us more of a well-rounded team. I think Arizona will be a Cinderella story uh, if Indianapolis maybe isn't because uh, Indianapolis does have Phil Rivers now. And I think Indianapolis also is starting to round out their team for this season. Now, on to number nine. Jacksonville. Um, their organization, for whatever reason, has interest in Cam Newton. And I'm starting out with that because I'm going to lose a ton of respect for Maroney and, you know, the people within that organization if they decide to go Cam Newton over, you know, Minshew Mania. That said, I see Jacksonville picking an offensive tackle from Louisville named Makai Becton. Uh, this guy is massive. This guy is really good. He can play along uh, excuse me, alongside Cam Robinson, who is also on Jacksonville, obviously. Um, and I just think with all the records that Minshew set last year, I don't see why Jacksonville would even, you know, hit the call button for Cam Newton in this situation. Uh, Leonard Fournette is all for having Cam Newton be on his team. And I have no, absolutely no idea why. Um, it's a completely different offense from what the Jaguars have that Cam Newton runs. And I just don't see that being a good fit in Jacksonville. So yeah, Jacksonville, Mackay Becton from Louisville, offensive tackle uh, at number nine. Now on to Cleveland Browns at number 10. Uh, Cleveland will select offensive tackle Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, which I think in this scenario is what's best. He's definitely a favorite among the draft boards for Cleveland. Uh, Baker needs protection up front. You know, last year's sack fest, I just think... Baker needs to be well protected. Now, I'm not saying that this whole situation is on Baker Mayfield or on the O-line. Baker Mayfield needs to have a better pocket presence and, you know, become a better, a better passer because um, after that, you pretty much just balance it out with defensive edge players maybe a guard in later rounds, but Baker needs to be a better quarterback, have better pocket presence and not make so many tight passes. So the only way you can really maybe do that is give him some offensive help up front. So I see them going with a couple offensive tackles, but more specifically, Andrew Thomas of Georgia is their first round pick. They will go with some more offensive tackles and a safety in later rounds as well. Um, on to New York. The New York Jets, number 11. 
a guy that has really been a talk at corner. And I spent this week watching some of his YouTube videos and his combine stuff. Holy cow. Um, just, I'm, I'm really impressed by his performance. And CJ Henderson is the guy that I see the Jets picking up out of Florida. He ran a 439.40, which is really, really good. Um, very agile, quick-footed corner. Will be a perfect fit into that Jets D that needs to get better. Needs It has struggling, you know, has been for a while. Uh, but they also need some offensive weapons after that. So round two, I see them taking maybe a wide receiver. Uh, only because... Round one, I think you'd only you only have so many options round one for wide receiver, and I think all the good ones will be gone before uh, New York gets a chance to get one, and I don't see them trading up to get one. Uh, maybe, you know, an Oklahoma wide receiver. So, with that said, Vegas will trade their pick. To Green Bay. Green Bay is going to trade up 212 to take Vegas' pick, which is wide receiver C.D. Lamb. Now, this is my guy. This guy reminds me of like a Sidney Rice. I don't know how else to describe him. He's really good. He's really agile, really explosive on his feet, great hands. Um, I just don't see Green Bay sitting back and waiting till 30. I think there's way too many juicy. Juicy wide receivers um, in the first part of the draft. And I think that, you know, I just don't think 30, there's going to be really anything left. I think you'll be picking off, you know, picking meat off the bone by then. Uh, and Green Bay needs a wide receiver. They need one badly. And I think, you know, that's one of those teams that has more holes to fill. Uh, so look for Green Bay to take C.D. Lamb, wide receiver, out of Oklahoma. Uh, and trust me, to you Packers fans out there, you're not going to regret doing that because C.D. Lamb is the best wideout in this draft, and it's not even close. There are three guys in Bama coming out of Alabama that are second to him. Now, I'm not saying they're not good. Alabama has three of the best receivers in college last for the last two, three years. And this is the year that Alabama will be giving out wide receivers like their hotcakes. That said, on to pick number 13 for San Francisco, Jerry Judy. Um, talk about a wide receiver. Deep ball guy. Can really... <sighs> breakout at the end of his routes. Um, that's the best way I can describe it. Uh, he's a good catch and run. I think that's what they call it. Catch and runner. Um, so, you know, with San Francisco, I don't see why you wouldn't trade out of the first round at 31. Uh, only because looking at this draft sheet here, they don't have another pick until round five, which round five, you know, by the time round five happens, you know, COVID might have a, you know, vaccination. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to wait. You don't want to sit and watch if you're John Lynch 
and watch all these people just get picked and picked and picked. Um, so I just see the Niners picking up at least the wide receiver, Jerry Judy, out of Bama and maybe adding you know a middle linebacker in the fifth round and just keep adding to that defense that was super monstrous last season that not a lot of people thought were going to go far. Um, obviously, you saw them in February. This team is elite. So uh, that said, wide receiver, number 13, Jerry Judy, out of Bama. Um, and now on to 14. There's this guy. His name is uh, Tom Brady. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, he needs some weapons. And in order for Tom Brady to make this thing happen, to prove to himself that he can win it all without Bill Belichick, and that's kind of his legacy. I know he says he doesn't care about legacy, but trust me, he does. Um, Tampa Bay will pick up Henry Ruggs III, junior wideout from Alabama. Uh, like I said, Bam was giving out wide receivers, and... Uh, Ruggs had the best 40 time at the combine and Brady still having the deep ball in his rep would need a fast footed guy like that to get that offensive uh, powerhouse going and built in Tampa. Uh, and I think they will turn at 31 to get USC Austin Jackson to cover that O-line pick for round one, um, just to help give Brady some protection, uh, build up a little bit of a wall up front because Brady is getting up there in age, and the last thing you want him doing is getting sacked 40 times a year. Um, so look for Tampa to grab a running back in round two, give Brady some running space, and just keep that O-line mantra, I think that's the right term I'm looking for, uh, in the later rounds to build around Tom Brady. And, you know, it's interesting to see, it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, Buccaneers are going to look this season with Don Brady at the helm. So I'm excited to see that. Um, I'm also excited to see how the Denver Broncos and Drew Locke look this season. They have a number 15 pick. Uh, and I see them getting... T. Higgins out of Clemson uh, just to give some offensive weaponry to Drew Locke. And I also see them going receiver and having maybe a wide receiver heavy day number two of the draft, as well as an interior on the O-line to help kind of give uh, you know Drew Locke some space. Their O-line has not been good in the last three years. And you just got to keep building and working at that to build that solid front. Like I said, all in all, I know I've seemed repetitive in this, but this is a very O-line and wide receiver heavy first round. Uh, and we're only through pick 15, you know. And as for Minnesota, well, you're going to have to wait until next week. Because that is my first 15 picks of the draft, and that sums it up 
for this week's edition of the Wheeler Podcast, NFL Draft Edition. I hope everybody's having a great week. I hope everybody has a great, great weekend. And I will see all of you next week. Stay safe, stay home, and let's get this COVID over with. Have a great week. Goodbye, ladies and gentlemen.